All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another instalment of uh, Talking Tendons podcast. My name is Associate Professor Peter Maliaris, and I am, have just returned from the International uh, Tendinopathy Scientific Symposium, which was an absolutely fantastic uh, three days of listening to other tendon uh, researchers, talking to some really great people about what's going on in tendon research and it was uh, it was a, just a very enjoyable day uh sorry very very enjoyable three days in uh Groningen. so congratulations to the um uh to the organizers there what i wanted to talk about today in our 10 minutes talking tendons podcast is really just to go over some uh, of the more recent uh, evidence ar- around psychological factors in tendinopathy. There has been quite a bit, and uh, a lot of it was presented and talked about at the conference, so it's a really uh, interesting and topical area. And uh, I would like to talk about some of the recent ones that um, have been published. Uh, so I want to start with um, uh, one that was published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, a systematic review, and it was published back in 2016. Uh, the lead author is Adrian Mallows, and Adrian was at the conference and presented some of his work, but not uh, not this study in particular. Um, others on the uh, paper are James Debenham, uh, Tom Walker, and Chris Littlewood. Uh, so this was a systematic review, and um, uh, what they focused on was uh, really uh, trying to synthesize all the evidence that links psych- psychological factors and uh, tendinopathy. So they looked at things like anxiety, depression, uh, kinesiophobia, catastrophizing, and uh, whether people with uh, tendinopathy um, present with uh, uh, with these types of um, uh, psychological factors. Now, uh, they, they, you know, you can look at this in many ways. You can look and see if there's an association. So, is there a cross-sectional association between these factors and tendinopathy? Is is it is are these factors predictive of the onset uh, of um, um, of uh, tendinopathy symptoms? So, there you're looking more at risk factors. And once you've got tendinopathy, are these factors predictive of outcome? So do they mean that you're going to be less likely or more likely to get better? Uh, so that's the different ways you can look at it. And um, with with this study, they did look at um, uh, they did look at compiling evidence uh, that looked at various um, uh, various relationships, I guess you could say. Um, uh, so let's look at uh, the aim is always useful to look at. So their purpose. Uh, was to determine if psychological variables are associated with tendinopathy and whether any such variables may be associated with pain and disability outcomes um, in conservative management. So it seems like based on that, they were looking at uh, whether these factors uh, uh, predicted outcome and also whether these factors uh, were uh, associated with uh, people who had the conditions. Um, So I'm going to give you a very, very gross summary of what they found in this paper and I would uh, definitely recommend reading it. So um, now they found uh, they found that uh, there was uh, very little evidence that um, factors like anxiety and depression are associated with 
um, tendinopathy. So for example, conflicting evidence for lateral elbow tendinopathy, um, uh, limited evidence that it's not associated with that these factors, anxiety and depression, were not associated with patellar tendinopathy, and moderate evidence that distress was not associated with rotator cuff tendinopathy. Um, when you look at uh, factors like catastrophizing and kinesiophobia, it was a very different story. So here, they, uh, they, they generally found that there were some links. So there was moderate evidence that catastrophizing and distress, actually, in this instance, was associated with lateral elbow tendinopathy. Moderate evidence that kinesiophobia and catastrophizing were linked to rotator cuff tendinopathy. And also, uh, there was some evidence linking kinesiophobia with suboptimal outcomes in tendinopathy. So uh, there seemed to be more of a relationship when you're looking at the uh, psychological constructs like catastrophizing and kinesiophobia. And uh, when I um, was presenting this exact um, evidence in a invited uh, um, uh, session that I had at the, at the uh, tendinopathy symposium, um, uh, Adrian happened to be in the audience and I confirmed with him, is that interpretation correct? And he said, yes. So um, you can take it from pretty good authority, i.e. from the horses, from the first author's mouth, that this is uh, uh, in effect a, a, a summary of what they found. Uh, so that's, that's interesting. I'm going to now um, move on to a, uh, another study. This was published in uh, this year, it was published in 2018, um, and the lead author here is Melanie Plinsinga, and she's part of the group um, uh, led by Bill Vizantino in, um, at the University of Queensland. So um, this is um, uh, research which was also, um, I believe in part at least, presented at uh, the um, International Tendinopathy Symposium. Um, uh, Melanie gave a really great uh, presentation and summary of a lot of this uh, data. Uh, so um, in one of the first uh, sessions, I, I believe on the second day. Um, uh, so I'm going to just uh, tell you about their paper. Uh, basically, the, the title is Psychological Factors, Not Strength Deficits Are Associated with Severity of Gluteal Tendinopathy. And they've, uh, they've, uh, they've undertaken a cross-sectional study. Now, the um, the real strength of this study is that they uh, they recruited 204 patients with gluteal tendinopathy, which is pretty pretty amazing uh, feat because it's not easy to find these patients and to find 200 of them um, is uh, is is really going to take a lot of work. Not only that, they've gone through a full battery of psychological quality of life, um, even strength testing and. Uh, weight circumference and hip circumference and you know hip abductor torque ratios, physical activity. I mean, you know, the, the, you know, looking at that list of outcomes, it, you know, I can imagine that would have taken hours to uh, to measure these these people in the lab. Uh, so uh, so it's um, <clears throat> it's a large study, uh, and um, I'm going to focus on the psychological. Well. We'll focus on some of the psychological and some of the other outcomes, but um, uh, what I want to alert your attention to, again, please read the paper, because this is just giving you a very, very uh, brief overview of, uh, of a snippet of the paper. Um, I'd like you to go back and have a read of the methods, but there's a figure, which is figure one, and basically they present the standardized mean differences, um, and ha they have compared here 
people who have severe um, uh, tendinopathy symptoms based on the visa to people who have mild symptoms. And they've also compared people who have moderate symptoms to people who have mild symptoms. And what they find is pretty interesting. They uh, show that uh, people with severe symptoms are far more likely to be different from the mild group. And uh, they are different in uh, in uh, their pain, as you would imagine, but also they have far higher depression and catastrophizing, and they also are heavier and have a higher waist girth, uh, and they also uh, have less physical activity and have lower quality of life. So there are some interesting relationships there. And the, the, what we don't get out of this because it's a cross-sectional study is, the, is what is the... Uh, uh, what is the um, temporal relationship between these factors? So is it that these people um, uh, are very, very fearful and, uh, and, and, and catastrophize their pain, therefore develop severe tendinopathy, or does it go the other way uh, that they um, develop severe tendinopathy, they become, um, they, they really start to freak out and catastrophize and reduce their physical activity. So it's difficult to say uh, the relationship and which way those factors go. Um, and I'll just briefly want to finish off with uh, one of my students' studies. And this was also presented at ISTS. And this was, um, uh, so my student is Jack Mest and he's um, uh, building up towards uh, some higher degree studies. Um, and um, uh, the other co-authors, so there's two other co-authors um, and um, it's uh, Brett Vaughan from Melbourne University um, and uh, Jane Mulcalhy, and I, I just, I'm sorry, Jane, I've never said your surname before, even though we work together. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think I said it correctly that time, but forgive me. Um, and, um, and so that was our team. So, so me, Jack, uh, Brett and Jane. And basically it was just a follow, it was just a cross-sectional study again of 91 participants who presented to the clinic that I work at with uh, lower limb tendinopathy and we gave them a battery of psychosocial uh, measures like the hospital anxiety and depression scale, the TAMPA scale for kinesiophobia life orientation test. And um, I'm not going to go through the details. It's not published as yet, but we presented an abstract um, at uh, the tendinopathy symposium. And what we basically uh, concluded here was that the biggest factor was um, uh, was kinesiophobia. So um, if we look at, uh, there's, there was a graph which was um, uh, something that I might post along with this podcast, but uh, the graph clearly shows that uh, um, uh, if you categorize people on the tamper as kinesiophobic or not, most patients with lower limb tendinopathy, um, a majority, more than 50% and up to almost 80% for some tendinopathies um, uh, can be classified as kinesiophobic, which is really indicating that this is a factor that we really must look at and try and address uh, with this patient group. Um, so they were the three studies that I uh, wanted to focus on. So, um, so our one is not uh, published, but definitely go and check out. Um, so Plinsinger et al. 2018, which is published in the... Um, just looking for the journal here, sorry, um, in the 
I can't find the journal. I'm sorry about that. Um, I will uh, I will make sure that I link that in the um, in the notes that go with this podcast, so you can look up their paper. Um, and then the British Journal of Sports Medicine by Adrian Mallows, the Systematic Review, uh, which was published a couple of years ago. Okay, so they're the two studies to, to look into. Um, uh, so really, the, the the message from this podcast is. Um, make sure that you're looking at psychosocial factors, even if they are following the onset or after the onset, it's still something that we do um, that we do need to address uh, with this patient group. Fantastic. Thank you very much for listening and I'll catch you next time. <laughs>